Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. This talk continues week 13 of our series, The Story. Enjoy and thanks for listening. All right, let's think about the story. The story is a condensed chronological walk through the Bible where we look at key events and key people and key places. And in this, we're trying to discover how our story fits into God's story. And I think as we devote a good amount of time to just walking through these key events places and people, that there really are some amazing benefits. And so I want to talk about the benefits just so that you're aware of where we're going and why we're doing this. So here's really the first benefit of walking through the story, and that is we get the chance to improve our Bible literacy. And I think any chance that we get to improve our understanding of Scripture is worth it, and that is a great thing. And that's why every year at the top of the year, we take some time and we pause and we challenge everybody to get into the word of God and to choose a verse or two that you can use to anchor your souls for another year. And we do that because the word of God is living and active and powerful. And it has something to say to us today. It's not just a historical book, although it is that. The lessons that are here... And the people that we read about and even the places that we discover and all of the hidden gems in Scripture, they're living and powerful and they help us think about how we can survive and honor God today. And so that's why we take time at the beginning of the year to say, this book is valuable and important and we owe it to ourselves, even if we don't agree with everything that's here. Look, we owe it to ourselves to jump in and to find a verse that can guide us for another year. And as we walk through the story, our understanding of Scripture is going to grow. As we look at the upper story, the lower story, and then my story. So the upper story is the big idea of what God is doing. It's the big picture. The lower story, then, are the historical events as recorded in Scripture. And we're going to look at a historical person today, an ancient king of Israel, and what we can learn from his life. And then we get into my story. So how can I take all of this information, the big idea of what God is doing, the historical events that actually took place in Scripture, how can I use this in my life today? Because we can. So, upper story lower story and my story, and as we walk through this, our biblical literacy improves, and again, that is a great benefit. So here's the second benefit, and that is parents are equipped to spiritually lead. And honestly, this may be one of the greatest things that we take away from this. So right now in Kid Point, if you have a child in there, they are going to have the same story that we're talking about today. And so you get the chance to take what we're discussing and know a little bit about what happened there. And as a parent or as a grandparent or even as a mentor, you get the chance to ask some key questions to engage them and learn together. Look, it can be very difficult to spiritually lead your family. That's a tough thing to do. Well, this is making it very easy. 
because we're doing the same thing. Even in On Point, our 6th through 12th grade student ministry, when they gather on Sunday afternoon, they're walking through an age-appropriate version of what we discussed as well. And so as parents, as grandparents, as mentors, one of the benefits is that we get to spiritually lead our families knowing what they're discussing and what they're learning is the exact same thing. As a matter of fact, when we get into our upper story statement for today, it is the same main theme or the same upper story statement that your kids have. It's the same words. So look, the ball's on the tee, parents. Knock it out of the park and spiritually lead your kids and your families by engaging in spiritual conversations. And I think you'll have a lot of fun doing this. So that's the second benefit. The final benefit of walking chronologically through Scripture is that the whole church grows as we understand how our story fits into God's grand story. And I believe that it does. And I think we have to throw ourselves into the narrative. So often we think, well, that's what happened to them. Or that's what happened to that person. But we got to place ourselves into the story because this stuff happened, but it happens. And so as a church, we get to grow together in our understanding. And I think one of my roles here is to position ourselves and to put us into a place where we can receive the full blessing of God. That's one of the things that I'm supposed to be doing as a shepherd and as a leader. And look, I think one of the greatest ways that we can position ourselves to comprehend God and what he wants for me is to spend some time looking at his story and what did God mean and why did God do that and how can I use that in my life and in my story today. So let's chase this together. And let me say this. If you're not a believer in God, you're somewhat of a skeptic, or you're just not there yet, or maybe you've had a really bad experience with God, and so you've kind of shelved him or pushed him to the side, or maybe you're here and you don't know why you're here, (laughs) somebody just drags you into the door. First of all, I want to say I'm glad that you're here, and I want to let you know that Valley Point is a very safe place if you don't know God yet, or you're trying to figure that out, or you're a skeptic or a doubter, I want you to know that Valley Point is a very safe place for you to question and investigate and debate and to think in community with other people who are probably struggling with many of the very same things. And I believe this journey of looking at key people and places and books will be something that will help give you a perspective on God that you never knew before, and you'll have a new understanding of what God wants for you. Because even if you don't believe in Him, even if you're not crazy about Him, or even if you've had a bad experience with God, there is something that He wants for you, and that is to fully experience and to enjoy His grace and His love for you. That's what He wants So again, I think walking through this is good for you, even if you're a bit skeptical. So welcome. I'm glad that you're here. So far, we have walked through 12 mini-stories in the story, and today we jump into the 13th part of this. Back in November, we ended with a conversation about King David, and we actually took two weeks to talk about the central figure in the story. 
King David's a really big deal. And so we took two weeks to talk about his life. In week one, I talked about a young David and how God approached him and kind of handpicked him out of his family to be the next king of Israel. They already had a king. His name was Saul. But he was a disaster and was not being obedient to God and was not making God happy. And so God said, all right, I'm going to be done with Saul and I'm going to take the kingdom away from his family and I'm going to give it to a whole new family. And David, it's going to be you. You're the guy. And so David had to wait for a period of time before Saul was done being king. And then eventually David became the king of ancient Israel. Well, in week two of the series, Gus talked about David as the king and all of the things that he accomplished. And he accomplished quite a bit. But David had one small little problem. He made a decision to take something that didn't belong to him. He took somebody else's wife. And he ran into a lot of trouble, as you can imagine that that would do. So we now pick up the story talking about one of David's sons. His name is Solomon. And Solomon became the next king of Israel. Saul, and then David, and then Solomon. He's David's son. He becomes the next king of Israel. And he really ushers in the golden era of Jewish history. I mean, things were really good under Solomon. Now, before we get into all of that, though, I want to go back and fill in a few sordid details so that we don't miss the incredible thread of God's grace that is part of this story. Because the thread of God's grace that is a part of Solomon's life is so rich and comforting and encouraging. And I think All of us are going to be able to identify with this. So before we talk about all the grand things that happened to Solomon and how incredible and how wise and rich and famous he was, let's get into some of the details about how his life and reign came to be. So David is Solomon's father. He has this affair with Bathsheba. That's what he stole. That wasn't rightfully or righteously his. It didn't belong to him but he took it anyway. And so Bathsheba becomes pregnant as a result of that affair, but the baby dies, which is very devastating to David and Bathsheba, as you can imagine. Well, they do get married after that, and Bathsheba becomes pregnant again, and she has a son, and that son's name is Solomon. Solomon grows up to become an extraordinary leader, a great king. Solomon, the product of David and Bathsheba, writes significant portions of Scripture. All of this goodness from something not so good, and it is a tremendous reminder of the grace of God. And if you have ever doubted that something good can come out of something not so good, then Solomon is for you. Like, this is your story, because that's exactly what happens here. And again, I don't want us to lose sight of the thread of God's grace that just drips out of the story of David and Bathsheba and their son Solomon. Let's not lose sight of how something good came out of something not so good, 
And that's just the incredible thing about what God does all of the time. So let's not forget about that as we talk about Solomon, all right? So here's our upper story statement for today, and that is God made Solomon a wise leader, and God can make me wise too. He really can. Again, this is the same main theme that your kids are hearing about today, so feel free to ask about their version, their age-appropriate story of Solomon and how God made him a wise leader, and God can make me wise too. Now, let's jump into the lower story. What are the historical events that are taking place that surround the life and the reign of Solomon? Well, what we discover in 1 Kings chapter 1 is that David is an old man and he is dying. And he knows he only has a few days left to be the king of Israel. And so he begins the process of passing the leadership baton to his son Solomon. It's something that David wanted. It's something that God established. So this is really a great thing. Well, as David is passing this leadership baton to Solomon, It's valuable to know that Israel as a nation is in great shape. I mean, things have never been better. They're in a great financial position. They are at peace with their neighbors. People are happy. It is just a perfect situation for a young king. Like, everything is really good. Because of David's military accomplishments... Solomon now gets to reign with diplomacy and with construction. He gets to build. David was a warrior, his father. He was a fighter. Solomon, a tremendous diplomat and a builder. And that's really what begins to happen. Now, there are three parts to Solomon's life. And we're going to walk through these three different parts. The first part of Solomon's life is the opening chapter when he becomes king. And we're going to read about that in 1 Kings chapter 3 in just a moment. The middle chapters are where he writes scripture, builds the kingdom, he expands his influence. Everybody wants to meet this guy from around the world. It's not just Israel and not just the neighbors. People came from everywhere because this guy had so much money and so much stuff and so much wisdom that they wanted to know what this was all about. And this is happening in the middle chapters of his life. And then we're going to get to the closing chapter. And we're going to discover that this wise man who lived did indeed make some poor choices and things begin to fall apart. And so there's going to be some great takeaways for all of us on how we can avoid living the final chapter of Solomon's life and we can write kind of a different story for ourselves. So let's jump into the opening chapter. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find 1 Kings chapter 3. It's where we're going to begin. Now, keep in mind, 1 Kings chapter 1, David is the king. He's old. He's about to die. He passes the leadership baton to Solomon, his young son. And here's what we read in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Well, Solomon replied, You showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king 
instead of my father David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. Let's pause there. If you remember, way back in September, we talked about an individual named Abraham. Abraham is another central figure in the story. And God came to Abraham one day and made a deal with him. It's known as the Abrahamic Covenant. God said to Abraham, I want to make a great nation of you. Which was kind of a funny thing, because Abraham was really old at the time. His wife was past childbearing years, and they didn't have any children at all. But God came to Abraham and said, look, you are going to have so many children and descendants, you'll never be able to count them. That's the promise I'm going to make to you. Well, Abraham and his wife did indeed have a child and many more descendants. And here we find Solomon, a son of Abraham, right? He's a descendant. He's in the bloodline. He's part of God's special chosen people. And what is Solomon saying? God, I am so young. I don't know how to deal with all these people. There are too many to count, right? So let that refresh you a little bit. This is a complete fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant that God fulfills his promises. We don't always know how or when or where, but God comes through. And so Solomon is really concurring with what we've already studied in the story. It's all coming true. I think that's incredible. All right, look at verse 9. Here's what Solomon says. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Well, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, wow, Solomon, great choice. Because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life, or wealth, or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. Quite a promise. Now here's the great part, verse 13. And here's what else I'm going to do, because you made such a great choice, Solomon. I'm so happy with you. Wonderful. Great job. Proud of you. I'm also going to give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commandments as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. But here's the great thing about this dream. It all comes true. God follows up on what he shared with Solomon. And Solomon does become wise and rich and famous. And this is the opening chapter of his life. This is how it all begins. Now, let's move into the middle chapters. So, in 1 Kings chapters 5 through 10, what we discover is that Solomon practices all of this wisdom. He begins to write pieces of scripture. We talked about how Solomon ushered in the golden era of Jewish history here. He builds an amazing temple that is fully described. He builds a real home for God, 
where everybody can worship. Kind of a cool thing. And they have this amazing dedication ceremony, and people are so excited and thrilled. He builds everything else. He makes Jerusalem a world-class city. All of this is going on, so much so that when you get to 1 Kings chapter 10, there are other dignitaries and royal individuals around the world who want to figure this guy out. Like, he's got more than me. There's royal envy. And the Queen of Sheba is one of these individuals. And so I want to read this to you just so that you get a picture of how wealthy and how wise Solomon was. So here's what we read in the middle chapters of Solomon's life. This is 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 6. She exclaimed to the king, Everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. Verse 23 says, So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth. People from every nation came to consult him and to hear the wisdom God had given him. Year after year, everyone who visited brought him gifts of silver and gold and clothing and weapons and spices and horses and mules and Powerball tickets. (laughs) Wow, Solomon is just an amazing individual. And so people are coming and they're just giving everything to him because they can't believe how wise and how rich he is. Again, in the middle of all of this. He is building the kingdom. He is writing scripture. He is passing out wisdom to people like they have never known or seen before. Now, that brings us to the closing chapter of his life, which is what we see in 1 Kings chapter 11. And the sad thing here is that Solomon, who started in a very strong way, and asking God for something that he didn't have, and being used by God to build the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel, what starts so well really ends rather poorly. See, Solomon allowed his 700 wives, yes, 700 wives, to begin to distract him in his own worship of God. And they came in with all of their deities and everything that they were worshiping, which wasn't the true God, who had come to Solomon and had given him so much. And so his heart becomes divided. And there were many other women involved as well. And Solomon begins to lose track of what God wanted in and for him. And God gets a little upset. As you can imagine, Solomon's walked away. He's chosen to live a very different kind of life than what God desired for him. And here's what we find in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 9. The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command, and I would encourage you to underline, to circle, to highlight, Solomon did not listen because that's the whole story right there. And how often does this happen to you and to me? Well, probably all of the time, where we get our own thoughts and our own ideas, and we stop listening to the Lord's command. If this happened to the wisest person who ever lived, what about us? 
We're probably all in trouble. Verse 11. So now the Lord said to him, Since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. But for the sake of your father, David, I will not do this while you are still alive. I will take the kingdom away from your son. And even so, I will not take away the entire kingdom. I will let him be king of one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, my chosen city. And because Solomon's heart was divided in who and what he was worshiping, God comes in and divides the kingdom. He gives it away and we'll step into that in 1 Kings chapter 12 next week. That's Solomon's life. A story of triumph and tragedy. And again, if all of this can happen to the wisest individual who lived, what does this mean for all of us? Well, I think it means this. We've got to pay attention. And we got to think about what God specifically wants for me. And so let's get into my story now and how all of this applies to us. And I have two applications today. The first thought is for those of you who are followers of Christ. You've embraced the leadership and the forgiveness that Jesus offers. And you would say, I'm all for God. I love him and I follow him. So here's the thought for you. And that is stay away from things that steal your affection for God. Right? Like, this is it. It's really not that hard. Kind of hard to do. But in and of itself, this is not that difficult. Stay away from things that steal your affection for God. Stay away from things that steal your affection for God. Just stay away from things that steal your affection for God because they're nothing more than cheap imitations And why should we settle for cheap imitations when we can have God dynamically leading us all the time? So, stay away from things that steal your affection for God. And there are so many things that can do that. Think about this. I don't believe anybody wakes up and says, you know, today is the day I would like to destroy my entire life. Let's just make it happen today. Like, this is the day that I'm going to do that. No, that doesn't happen. I think it happens over a long period of time with small little compromises and decisions and choices that we make that steal our affection for God. And so the whole challenge for those of us who are followers of God, who have given our lives to Him, who have said yes to Him, we believe, we trust, we're not going to add anything to that, is let's just make sure we're not letting anything steal our affection for God. Now, how do you help in that process? What are some of the things we can do so that's not happening? Well, here's just a few thoughts. Ask God for wisdom. You can do that. And if you're wondering about what you should do, do you open that door? Do you open that door over there? Do you walk down this path or that path? Do you do this or that? And you're just confused and you're not sure? Well, ask God. Last week when we had our panel sharing with us their life verses. You may remember there was one individual who chose James chapter 1 and several verses there. And one of the things that is talked about in James chapter 1, it says this, if anyone lacks wisdom. So let me ask you, do you ever lack wisdom? I know I do. 
I think there probably should have been a few more hands up, right? We can agree with this. If anybody lacks wisdom, here's the deal. Here's what we do. You ask God. That's not that hard to do. Ask God. And the verse goes on to say, he will generously, he will liberally give it to you. So if we want to stay away from things that steal our affection for God, how about if we just ask God for wisdom in making decisions? I mean, let's just make it happen. How about pray? And ask God to help you finish strong. See, at some point in here, Solomon gets really sideways. He finds himself in lukewarm water, and he didn't even know it. And he lost sight of God. So how about if we just pray to finish strong? How about if we invite a tremendous amount of accountability into our lives? Like, you help me, because I'll mess this up on my own. How about if you manage your life verse? We talked about this last week. It's one thing to pick a verse. It's another thing to manage that. And to make sure it's on the forefront of your minds. How about staying in community and connected to the church where we get the chance together to learn and to grow and to just get a sense of what God wants for us. See, I think all of these things help us to stay away from things that steal our affection for God. One more application thought. And it's for those of you who may not be so sure about God. And maybe you're kicking the tires to see if he's real and if you want to live this kind of life and you're just not so sure about that. Again, you're welcome here at Valley Point. I'm glad that you're here. I hope that you have fun on your journey. And as I look out, I see so many of you who would probably say that's what you were. And then eventually, God just kind of turned the light on and you get it and you embrace him and you get baptized and you begin to live this God kind of life, which I think is the best way to live. So let me give just one thought to those of you who may be considering that and you're not quite there yet. And here it is. Before your life ends, just trust in Jesus alone to rescue and lead you. Just give it a thought and do it because this is how you stay out of lukewarm and hot water, and it'll be the greatest commitment that you've ever made for your own heart, for society, and for the world. Just do it. So if you've trusted, stay away from things that steal your affection and your love and your passion for God, those things that kind of get in the way and replace God as the most important thing in your heart and in your life. Just stay away from that stuff. And Whatever it takes to do that, just chase it. And if you're still trying to figure out if God is for you, trust in Jesus alone to rescue and lead you. It's the greatest choice you can make. Father, we're thankful for what we can learn from the life of Solomon. It's a story of triumph and tragedy. Well, he started out so well and so strong, and then things got a little weird as he lost sight of you. God, before we're too quick to point and poke, I want to acknowledge that I do that. I allow things to come in and steal my heart. My affection for you. And I think that happens to a lot of us. And God, when that happens, that's a dangerous place because we run the risk of having a closing chapter like Solomon. So God, for everybody here, everybody, 
Would you help us to keep listening to your commandments, to invite a tremendous amount of accountability into our lives, to stay connected in community right here at Valley Point, to manage our life verses so that our hearts stay fresh and we don't lose that affection for you. God, for those individuals here who are really wrestling with that choice and that decision to trust in Jesus alone, God, you don't force yourself on anybody. This is one of the things I love about you. You don't force yourself into anybody's life. It's our choice. So God, I pray for those individuals who may be here wrestling with that. Maybe they've been pushing back and I'm not so sure about God and this Jesus thing and embracing him. But maybe today, for whatever reason, it's just kind of made sense. God, would you help them to take the next step and personalize that and make the choice to trust you now? your heads bowed and your eyes closed maybe that's you maybe that's you and you're ready to do that I just want to encourage you with a very soft heart toward God right now he's kind of pushing on you and challenging you with a very soft heart toward him would you just cry out and in your own words say God I'm trusting in the work of Jesus alone I believe in you and his death and his resurrection and I know he paid the price for my sins and I want you to lead me I want you to be my forgiver just talk to him and invite him in embrace him now The beautiful thing of what we discover in God's word is that he tells us he doesn't turn anybody away. Right? Like this is the thread of grace that was given to David, Bathsheba, to Solomon. A very good thing coming out of a not so good thing. And I believe that's the story of every single person who turns to Christ. So if you've done that, congratulations. That's an amazing choice. For your own heart, for society, for the world, it is a great thing. So God, we wrap up our time now of this 13th installment of the story. And we've looked at a real person, an ancient king. God, would you allow the things that happened to him and in him choices that he made, the triumphs as well as the tragedies, to speak to us and to change us. We pray this all in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m. 